didn't know anything. I talk about naivete, green, and ignorant. That was me. Put those three together and my picture would be right next to them in the dictionary. Hello and welcome to The Mental Game of Musical Theater. I'm your host, David Eggers. Let's get started. Hey, thanks for being here. I really hope you enjoy this interview with Joanne M. Hunter because it's about her incredible career and journey as a performer before she became the choreographer you know now from School of Rock, Disaster, Bad Cinderella. So enjoy part one of our conversation. I am so excited today to have with me one of my most favorite people that I've ever worked with in this crazy ride of musical theater, Joanne M. Hunter, one of my favorite humans on the planet, and musical theater crossed our paths, and I'm so happy to have her here today. She has a performance career that any of us would like die for. All of us who dream of doing Broadway, she has done so much Broadway. Um, it started out with Jerome Robbins Broadway, I believe, and that is a huge deal in musical theater. I can't believe we're talking to somebody who got to be part of that company. Shogun the Musical, Miss Saigon, Guys and Dolls from 1992, um, Damn Yankees, um, The How to Succeed Revive uh, in 1996, a uh, funny thing happened on the way to the forum, Chicago. Steel Pier, she was in that uh, Broadway musical. Kiss Me Kate, oh my God, I loved that version of Kiss Me Kate in 1999. Thou Shalt Not, Thoroughly Modern Millie, which we danced on stage together for. Um, and then I don't know where Spring Awakening falls, but we'll come to that. Um, uh, then you guys, she's also toured. She toured in West Side Story. She toured in Cats. Um, only a few handful of years before I also did Cats. We just missed each other. Um, and then I'm probably missing some. But then you guys, th that, if that isn't enough, then she moves on to the creative side. She starts doing associate choreography work, which we'll talk about, but it included things like All Shook Up, The Wedding Singer on Broadway, Curtains on Broadway, Spring Awakening. I need an explanation on that. But then also she... Um, did some world premieres of musicals like The Nutty Professor, Ever After, Harmony, and if having a career in the United States isn't enough, she's also choreographed for the West End and UK School of Rock, um, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, the tour in the UK, Cinderella, which we know as Bad Cinderella here in the US. She did that in the UK. And yes, let's talk about that Broadway choreography. Um, on a Clear Day, You Can See Forever, Disaster the Musical, School of Rock, Bad Cinderella. Um, I think also I have like the Neil Simon plays. You must have been a choreographer for that. That was a, a combo of Brighton Beach Memoirs and, and Broadway Bound. She also did the tours of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and the School of Rock touring production. I mean, I don't know how she's done all that because she's only 30 years old. <laughs> uh, but this this is Joanne Hunter. Welcome, Joanne. We are so excited to have you. Thank you, David. Oh my God, I just that was first of all very impressive. <laughs> I, I agree. Because I, I mean, no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, you all. I was like, because a lot of times 
it doesn't always show up when you Google people, all of their credits. Oh, I did my research. I wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything. You were, that was impressive. Very impressive. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, your career is impressive. I mean, to, to have that humongous performance career and now th this thriving career as a choreographer, um, it's really incredible. How'd you do it? <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's like the big question. No, honestly, I really don't know that much about your lead up to getting into Jerome Robbins Broadway. I don't know how you got started. I don't really know where you trained, when you came to New York. So let's go back in time a little bit before all of those accolades, all of that, all of that resume, and tell me just a little bit about yourself so people can can get to know you. Well, let's see. I was born in Japan. My mom is Japanese, full Japanese, born, raised, had both her children there. My father was of Irish, Scottish descent, but uh, born in America. His grandparents are um, over from the boat. Um, born in Japan, grew up, didn't grow up there, sorry. We lived there for about three to four years. Then my father was stationed. Then we moved around the mainland of the United States. And then from the first grade to the 11th grade, I lived in Coventry, Rhode Island, where I grew up, okay. where there was um, no one who looked anything like us anywhere near the vicinity really uh, in fact there were no other there was only one other person of color was a, a black family but they moved away like in a year I'm not sure why or two years i'm not even sure why hmm. um his name is carlton god I, that literally just came to me oh wow he lived down the block from me but that was it and then he was gone um but then i i um i started dancing when i was 10 or 11 i can't remember exactly but my mother, uh, my mother always loved dance, and she wanted to be a dancer when she was a little girl. But her mother didn't want her to do that, and also they didn't have money. She's the second oldest of six. Oh wow! Poor family, and so when she asked me, "Do you want to take ballet class?" and I was like, "Sure. What else is there to do?" <laughs> I mean, what, you know <laughs> what I mean? And she opened a telephone book. I'm not kidding. And put her finger like she like wound her finger around, and she closed her eyes, and she boom. Because we didn't know anyone. I didn't know. I didn't a lot of friends um at the time uh because or just we were we were different i didn't you know i didn't really have a lot of um outside involvement with anybody mm. and so so we uh luckily i ha found we found my very first mentor nancy lefave and then nancy lefave de chico she owned five studios in rhode island I mean, basically, that's the whole state. But yeah, right. <laughs> she had a monopoly there. <laughs> and she, she was like my second parent. She was amazing. She took me under her wing, and nothing felt better than being in the studio. Oh, and that's where most of my friendships were. My friendships were created. I have two great girlfriends from school, high school, that I still stay in touch with, and other friends. But I didn't do a lot uh, outside of school, especially when I started dancing, and because that became my my absolute love and joy. And then uh, my teacher always brought in teachers, so smart of her, from all over the country, all mm. over. So, so we would always we were always exposed to different styles. Of, of dance and movement and also different styles of teachers and how they are in front of the room. Wow. That thing, I don't know how she had this insight to do it, but, yeah. and then she would send me off to different school. It was amazing. Oh so I, that is really unique because most dance schools are like, so like protective, right? And they're like, so like trying to just keep a closed, closed walls around everybody. 
That's incredible. Completely. And, you know, just to sidetrack, because some, every once in a while I'll adjudicate those, you know, those um, dance competitions like DMA or Showstopper, those kind of things. I haven't done it in a long time, but you could always tell the same studio. Mm-hmm. Everything looked, not that they were great, but everything looked the same and everything was like this. And that was one thing she, we did not have. We had wow. so many different teachers and always coming in. So anyway, that was great. And then um, I, I was at a big convention in Houston, Texas. I think I was in going within the 11th grade year, my 11th grade year mm-hmm. that had to have been. Uh, I received, I had to do this competition where I would, you had to, it was like a all round competition. You had to, you had to, um, not on stage, it was in class. You had to take all these different classes, you know, ballet, jazz, gymnastics, tap. And, um, and I, I won a scholarship because I won the first in all styles of dance. Wow. So I was offered a scholarship to Gus Giordano in Chicago and, 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 um, Chuck Kelly, Charles Kelly in New York City. And I thought, this is me. I was like, I don't want to go to Chicago. It's the middle of the country. I want to go to New York City. I so I accepted my scholarship with Chuck Kelly. Between my junior and senior year of high school, I took like five classes a day, five days a week. I was just in seventh heaven, lived with a friend of a friend of a cousin of my dance teachers. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> he worked for Avis. That's all I remember. Uh, okay. She lived on like 7th Avenue and 54th Street. Um, I didn't have to pay anything, but I had to pay my own food. And I just went to class every day. And when my scholarship was over, it was for three months, I went back home and said, I'm not coming back. Wow. So I quit high school. I didn't go to my senior year. And I found a uh, hotel for women on 57th and Lexington called the Allerton House. Little did I know it was a hotel where they <laughs> they let women out of who were released from Bellevue. And if anyone who doesn't know what Bellevue Hospital was back then, was the it was a hospital for slightly mentally disturbed. <laughs> <laughs> so these were your roommates? These were down the hall from me. Yep. Yeah, I didn't know that first until a woman was on the elevator. Well, I'll tell the story quickly. On the elevator, we're on the elevator, and she had lipstick, like, really overly drawn around her lips, like crazy. And she started talking. And I thought, oh, she's talking to me. You know, I was 17. So I look at her, and I realize she's just blah, blah, blah. And I went, oh, she's not talking to me. She's talking to me. So I was like, okay, that was a little weak, wacky. And then Chuck Kelly had asked me, where are you staying? And I said, oh, it's a place called the, I think it was the Allerton House. Blah, blah, blah. He goes, where is it? And he goes, he goes, it was great. I loved every minute of it. I, I, um, I never went back. Okay. First of all, how were your parents with that when you came back from three months away and they're like, Hey, I'm out of here. My parents at that time were divorced. My father was never uh, supportive of what, of my dance career. Uh, he only saw me dance once my first recital where I was, I was third from the end in the back row, (laughs) (laughs) but I wore a chartreuse tutu with pink Kremlin on Kremlin underneath. Yes. Um, but my mother said that she knew that was going to happen when I came back. She hmm. said, she knew once I was in New York, she goes, she's not coming back. She That's said she, she didn't, she never stopped me. She said, okay. And her and my dance teacher drove me to this, helped move me into this hotel, residential hotel on 57th. And 
they took me to dinner, helped me, you know, get a few, I had a little mini refrigerator that they bought for me. Uh, I think I had a little, I had a little hot plate and so I could, and my rice cooker. <laughs> Gotta have my rice cooker. And um, yeah, and apparently then after they, you know, we, they took me out for dinner, we have dinner and they dropped me off and then they drove back to Rhode Island. Apparently they said that they both cried the whole way home. <laughs> Aww. You were only 17, you said, and you, you're here, you are in the Big Apple on your Fun. own. On my own. Wow. Not a friend. I had, didn't know anyone except for Charles Kelly because I was taking class with him. That was, yeah. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anything. I talk about naivete and green and ignorant. Oh, that was me. Those would be, if you put those three together, my, my picture would be right next to them in the dictionary. <laughs> no thing. So he's 17 years old in the middle of the city with a passion for dancing. How did you, I mean, okay, first of all, that just tells me a little bit more about who you are. I've always admired you, Joanne. You you have to know that. I mean, by the time our paths crossed in Thoroughly Modern Millie, you were a living legend uh, in, in the broad, in Broadway circles, you know? So to be on stage with you was like, I, it was like, I've made it. Um, but, but like, but what that tells me though is like you've you must have always had a sense of self, a resolve about you, and like you're gutsy. You're you know what I mean? Like that just makes me think you're you're somehow you that was must have been part of your wiring. I think you know it's a good point because I I think of it now thinking what was I crazy? But it never occurred to me like I didn't have fear, and it's funny because my therapist. <laughs> you know, you know, he believes that you come out of the womb of a very certain, he goes, and you came out of the womb that way. Now you are influenced by things around you, of course. Sure. Like, so, and also my mother's the only family member in her entire family, her immediate family, cousins who left the country. Right. Spoke very little English. Um, but my mother, I found, I just found this out recently. Actually, I want to do something about this. She wanted to get out of Japan. I literally just found this out about six months ago. No Her way. goal was to leave no matter what it took. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother story. Yes. I was like this. Brian and I were like this, listening to my mother going, I said, my mother has Alzheimer's. And so all these old memories are so forward now. Do you know what I mean? My mother had that inner strength, right? So it, ha it was definitely handed down to me. I never felt um, that I belonged in Rhode Island because of the way I looked. Uh, I never, people made fun of me. I didn't know what they were making fun of, David. I could not, I remember in, in elementary school, there was always this, there was this like little saying that I don't I don't know if anyone would know this but they would go they would open you know they would pull their eyes out and they go Chinese Japanese dirty knees and then they would and then they would pick out their boobies and go look at these not oh. kidding all the time and I would I would go in the mirror I would look in the mirror going I don't know what I could not I was like I don't know what they see I have two yeah. eyes I have two yeah. nostrils granted my nostrils are a little big <laughs> my nose is a little flat okay I get it I have a mouth I have a like I could yeah. not I couldn't see the difference at all as to mm -hmm. one person from another. I know that sounds that sounds so ignorant, but I just didn't no. understand. Didn't understand it. So my I comeback then later became, you can't. I wish you could see me. Well, you can see me. Chi I would pull my eyes up, you know, Chinese, and pull them down. Japanese, and then I would squish them together, and I would go, 
American. <laughs> that was my big comeback. <laughs> I thought I was so clever. That was my comeback. But oh, that being said, also, I was a goody two-shoes. I, I was, you know, I, I grew up in a military. My father's military, very strict. I wanted approval, and uh, the only place I could get it was in school, so I did mm -hmm. my best. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was a straight-A student. Teachers liked me. Um, but I did not have a lot of friends. You know what I mean? Like there was, there were some people in school that were lovely and were very open. It was not everybody in school that was an ass to me by no means, but you just, I never felt, um, I never felt I belonged. Like after school ended, I, I didn't go out with friends. There was no, no one ever came to my door and to say, mm -hmm. Hey, you want to go play? It was, I, my, and my mother was always get out of the house, get out of the house. <laughs> so I played by myself with my brother until junior high school. Um, where I met my two friends uh, that we've, we've we, they, people just call us the three musketeers because we hung out together. They were both, they're both Caucasian, but we, that, so, but I didn't, but by that time also in high school, I'm dancing a lot. So I didn't have, yeah. I didn't do any yeah. extra curriculum. I wasn't part of the school. I wasn't part of any, any kind of, I couldn't play any sports. I couldn't, you know, just, also Rhode Island. There was no, there was no band. There was, there was not a lot of culture in Coventry That's back then. That's so, but I had a, English teacher, and I remember in, I think he, it was 11th grade too. I missed almost a full quarter of school from calling in sick because I was dancing at a dance convention. I was, yeah. So he said to me, I'll never forget, he goes, Joanne, he goes, I'm going to, if you miss one more day <laughs> this semester, I'm going to have to lower your grade to a B. Right now you're an A. I'm still, I'm still an A student. He said, I'm going to have to lower your grade to a B. And then I was like, I had a big dance convention. I was going, I knew, because we were up all night. My mother let us, let me cut school. I had to cut school. Anyway, he lowered my grade. <laughs> that same year, my good friend, her name is Diane, was in charge of the ta varsity talent show or something like that. And she said, would you dance? And they're the only two who knew I danced. And I was like, no way. No way. I said, it's bad enough. I get made fun of. I, I said, I'm going to get made fun. Of. And now I'm a girl and I get, I can imagine what, you know, guy, you hear guys all the time getting made fun of because they dance. Right. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I don't, but I, I thought I'm not, no way. I don't want anyone to know I dance. I don't want anyone to know. And I get made fun. Of. It's bad enough. Anyway, she talked me into doing the talent show. I do the talent show. I did literally, I get there, do the talent show and leave. I don't stay. Um, the next day, this English teacher, because he said to me, he goes, you, what do you do? He goes, why do you keep missing? I told him, I am, I'm a, yeah. I dance, I'm at the, he goes, Joanne, he goes, you're not going to make a living. You gotta, you're smart. You should, you could be, do anything you want. You can be a lawyer. You can be, and um, the next day he came up to me. He said, don't ever stop dancing. That makes me teary. I will never forget that. He, because <laughs> he saw the talent show and he was like, yeah. he got it. Hey, this is David popping in here to let you know I'm also working on a book all about the mental game of musical theater, and I'd love for you to check it out. Head over to profeggers.com. That's P-R-O-F-E-G-G-E-R-S.com for information and to be one of the first to get your hands on this book. It's going to help you as you prepare for, pursue, and build your career in musical theater. I appreciate you checking it out, and I appreciate you being here. So let's get back to the episode you had those few people that believed in you. And, but like I said, I, when I came to New York for those three months, I was like, Oh, this is so cool. I don't know anybody. I'm lonely. I'm slightly frightened, but not really that frightened because I don't know enough to be frightened. Right. Yeah, you have to yeah. learn to be great. Also just like everyone was weird in New York. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, right? there's a place for everybody in New York, right? Yeah, because everyone's just slightly off kilter. There's, you know, so I was like, I don't stick out here. I, yeah. I just am part of. I just, I just knew. Oh, not. I am never going back to Rhode Island ever. Yeah. I knew that. No matter what, no matter how poor, no matter how many side jobs I might have to take, I was like, I was never. I knew that for a fact. Never going back. Oh my gosh, you found your home. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking about too is that leaving a community where, as you said, nobody else looked like you to go to, to New York where there's every kind of person must have felt so welcoming. Completely. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I was thinking because we had one male dancer in my school. His name is Wade LaBossonaire. And Wade is now a, a costume designer. He has been. I haven't so, spoken to him forever. Anyway, he's a great guy. Uh, we danced together. We partnered together. I learned how to partner early on. And uh, he didn't, I, I, I don't know if I ever knew he was gay. I didn't really care. I was like, we just danced. We had fun. Yeah. I came to New York and taking class and like, you know, you hear guys talking. It was like this. I went, oh, that's what, gay oh, I think Wade is gay. <laughs> I remember thinking that. And then like, you know, we used, we used to watch, um, this is way old. None of your students are going to know who I'm talking about. Liberace. And he was very flamboyant. And I just yeah. thought, oh, he's just flamboyant. Likes to wear sparkly costumes. Yeah. yeah. Because I was just like, I never... I never put people in categories or labeled them Love because I did not know enough. And that's what I mean. Sometimes I'm like this, maybe it's just like, I didn't know enough to label anyone. I just like, yeah. like Wade was the only guy in our school that danced. Awesome. You yeah. know what I mean? Was, yeah. I was great. And we were friends. We became friends. And I just, um, so it was just, it's fascinating that the more you know, the more sometimes you have to put labels on. And I was like, why do we have to do that? People are people. And that's how you, that's all you saw. That's all I saw. I just saw different people. Awesome. All different, yeah. all different looking people. Let's jump ahead a little bit to this. Now you, you've moved to New York City. You are 17 years old. I can't believe it. And you're dancing because that's your passion. How did you start? Like where, when did this transition happen that took you from dance studio to like musical theater? My girlfriend, Diane, took me to see, there was a tour, a tour of a chorus line that came through Rhode Island that she took me okay. for my birthday. I think it was my 16th birthday. And I thought, oh my God, that's, I want, that's what I want to do. I'm going to mm. do that. And in my very last recital with my dance teacher, Lafave Academy of Dance, um, I used to, she, so we would stay over, me and, and three of the other dancers that we all danced together. We were a team kind of, and, and sometimes Wade. We would stay over her her house, and her husband was um, Italian, and he used to cook like these big meals, and we would go, and so we'd sit around the table, and I remember uh, they had a Diana Ross album on, and I just started singing, um, um, reach out and touch somebody's hand. And I remember Albert going, keep going. He was like, you can sing. And my dance teacher went, sing, sing some more, sing some. I knew every song on that album. I think I wore it out at home. And I just started singing. And I remember they were like, when did you learn how to sing? And I thought, I've told this story before. I go, I assumed everybody could sing. Everyone listens to the radio and we all sing to the radio. I just thought everyone does that. I, just, <laughs> I had no idea it was a talent. <laughs> when I tell you, naive. Oh my gosh. I, and, and so that recital that year, she brought in uh, a dancer and a teacher from 
Boston, from the Boston area, who was on tour, who had been on tour with the Chorus Line. And she understudied Cassie, Maggie, probably Connie Wong, whatever they called it if you were not Asian. And she brought her in to teach me music in the mirror, the awesome. dance. And and then she brought in a vo voice teacher to go sing. Okay, you're going to sing the song. And so I did at the recital, I did music. And people were like, even my mother, because my mother sang too. She sang with the radio. She had a pretty voice, you know. And so I think knowing that I could sing, understanding what musical theater is, seeing a chorus line, I thought, well, that's what I want to do. And I also am very drawn to book, not just like my dance teacher. She always taught movement to have to have a reason. There has to be an arc, yeah. no matter, even if it's a two minute solo. So I was always connected or I always, I, it inspired me because it made me want to dance. It made me enjoy the movement more than just doing steps. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think, and that's what I love about musical theater because nine times out of 10, that's what the movement is doing. It's helping forward in plot, right? Um, and I think that's what I wanted to do. And then, of course, I came to New York and I saw a standing room of dancing, which did not have a plot, but still it had dancers and they were gorgeous. I saw, for $5, saw a standing room of that. I saw um, Kaja Fall, but I, that was a little older than I saw standing room with. I loved it. And I just thought, this is, that's what I want to do. I don't know how to do that, but that's what I want to do. Amazing. Did you start going to musical auditions or when you were still in your teens or was it a few years later? I did, no, I did. I remember so when, you know, um, I think my dance teacher might have told me about the trade papers. There were two of them. It was backstage and there was something else back then. I can't remember. And they always came out. They were not online kids. They no. were they were hard copies and you yeah. get them at the newspaper stand. Yeah. They would, I think on Thursday or Wednesday, whatever day they came out, the night before, if you went to the stand late, you could get the copy then so somebody told me it might have been my dance teacher and then she goes just start going to audition circle so you would circle i would just circle and what days i could go uh and sometimes uh in dance class somebody you know would say hey what's your name oh, oh yeah you, you should go to this audition you know every once in a while someone would say that to me and so i just started going now let me tell you i couldn't get arrested let alone get a call back really oh no oh no 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 but i just kept going because i was not going back to Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> While you were auditioning for things and not getting anywhere, were you also working jobs? I had, yes. I thought to myself after that, because that three months that I was there, um, you know, taking class. Scholarship, yeah. Uh, that was, my mom still funded, you know, yeah. money, the food money for me. Right, you know what right. I mean? I didn't have to pay anything for class or anything because that was a scholarship. So once I got there, I had saved money because I taught dance for my dance teacher. So I had saved mm -hmm. a little bit of money, but in New York City, <laughs> a little bit doesn't like, go very far. Mm -hmm. A lot doesn't go very far, let alone a little. So I thought, I've got to get, I've got to get a job. So it was around the holiday time, probably, that I looked in the New York Times want uh, help ads i try to wait tables couldn't do that because i'm too clumsy <laughs> then i was oh my god they want it they want temporary help for barney's now back in that day barney's of new york was one of the most exclusive men's only department store so i got a job there uh for from from probably from october through christmas okay for the holiday season and so i was able to save some money so that I start paying for my own things at this uh -huh. time because at that time now I was on my own and then during that time I was taking class and uh, I don't remember who this was who said to me 
hey, you should go to this Opryland audition. And I was like, what's what's that? It's a theme park. Oh, and I was like, what's a theme park? I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, and she goes, you know, they, they do live shows at like, you know, amusement parks, but it's a theme park. It's more about it's more about the, the shows necessarily than the rides. I go, oh. I said, where's Opryland? They said, Nashville. I'm like this. Where's Nashville? I was like, South? <laughs> I'm thinking, oh my God, I get shunned up in the New England. Like, I can't imagine what they're going to think of me if I go down South. You know what I mean? <laughs> so anyway, I go to this audition where you have to prepare your own material. So it's not, and Jean Whitaker is a choreographer and her husband, Bob Whitaker, is the, was the um, artistic, the, he basically ran Opryland. To this day, they are still good friends of mine. Ah, Jean Whitaker, my second mentor. She, I went in, auditioned. Um, I did my own number and then I got called back to come in and then she taught me other things. And then they said, can you sing? And I remember someone said, oh, you have to get sheet music. And I said, the only song I knew was the theme from the Poseidon adventure. No way. <laughs> <laughs> they said, you have to have sheet music. Go, What's that? Where do I, in the colony music. I don't oh, know. Oh, how I loved that place. So I went in, found a theme from Poseidon adventure. I was like, got it. Okay. Went to the audition and I remember whoever's playing the piano said, are you going to sing it in this key? I was like, what does that mean? What key? Didn't understand any of that. Oh my gosh. And of course I said, yes. Yeah, of course. Sang it probably, in fact, I'm sure horribly. Uh, and then I got hired on the spot. Amazing. And, I, and then I moved to Nashville, Tennessee in 19... Uh, in the end of 81, and I was there from 82 and 83, moved back to New York at the end of 83. Wow. Saved $10,000. Awesome. Moved in with my two friends, who you probably know, Scott Taylor and Michael Kane. We all worked together at Nashville, and I was like, I'm going back to New York. I don't know if anyone else said, we want to go to New York. We want to go to New York. Well, you want to be roommates? Okay. I found the apartment. I drove my U-Haul truck from Rhode Island, never drove a truck more, to Manhattan. Unloaded. Because <laughs> again, that's just who you are. <laughs> just doing it. Just getting it done. What happened after that? So you must have been like ready. And 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 I, I can imagine things moved pretty quickly after that. I love that you can imagine that. It is not true, but I love that you think that. Uh, so <laughs> no, I definitely. Did I come back with much more... Um, uh, knowledge and experience without a doubt you know we did four shows a day so i learned about tenacity i learned mm -hmm. about um you know doing performing the same thing over and over four times a day right days a week you know and i loved every moment it was hard but i loved every moment but i was also 17 18 so yeah. you know i could do anything then you know it's like i said we saved enough money i knew i, I was going to do two years there and then i i i was done I, I i was like i can't be down here anymore i loved it and i i love gene and bob to, like i said they're great human beings and they taught me so so much so moved back and like i said moved in with michael and scotty and both of those two got work like that really like that i again could not get arrested i mm. uh, so i had to get a temp job and this time i i was like well i can type Obviously, I couldn't because I was not a reception. I was not a secretary. I was a receptionist. <laughs> uh, because I, I literally had about twenty, I think like twenty some dollars and change in the bank, and rent was coming up. Oh my was gosh! Like, and our rent was we we had a three bedroom for under six hundred, so it was oh. not a lot. Still, I was like, I don't have money to pay my share of the rent, so I had to go and get temp work, and then I just temp for a while to, to 
to get my money up. And then I would go on auditions when I could, temping, you know what I mean? Until at the end of 84, I got a job in Italy, Milan, Italy. No way. For three months doing a television show, Corvadis television what? show. Me, there were four Americans that went over and there were two Italians that were dancers and then the, the hosts. And it was a variety show. It was great. Wow. I had so much fun. I probably like 10 pounds on <laughs> gelato. <laughs> in fact, I know because the choreographer was like, oh, the Americans are gaining weight. <laughs> and it was great. I loved it. We, I lived in Milan for four, for three months. It was awesome. Came back to New York. At this point, I got a manager, not an agent, but man, she was great. Her name was Libby Bush. Great. She was lovely. Um, then my first audition for Cats, I think up to that point, four times, got typed out every single time. Uh -huh. couldn't, never even got to dance. No way. Typed. And for those of people who don't know what that means, yeah. I, you can't do that anymore, I think. But you literally just stand in a line, step forward, say your name, maybe do a pirouette. Maybe I was going to say, did they have you do a double or anything? Both yeah. times. Uh-huh. Uh, and then they go, okay, uh, number, sa, number, sa, da, number, you say everyone's thank you very much. Yeah. Four times happened to me. My first Cats audition, I got typed out as well. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> Like how you, I'm like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in makeup. Yeah, right. <laughs> Our faces are covered. Exactly. Why are we typing? But I also think they were looking for a very specific replacement. And then I'm trying to think then. So then I, I, then I got my first big break, which was the national tour of West Side Story. Awesome. With uh, Rex Smith playing Tony and Leilani Jones playing Anita and Catherine Buffalo playing Maria. Couldn't do that anymore because she is as white as white. But mm -hmm. she sing, boy. Oh, her voice is glorious. Wow. And Jerry Robbins, Mr. Robbins, came in the last two weeks of rehearsal and then the tech and open show. Oh, wow. And that's the first time I, I met Mr. Robbins. And the show did not last long. We were supposed to tour for a year and then come into Broadway. Oh. Well, I don't know exactly what happened, but I believe that the producers didn't raise enough money and did not put the bond up for uh -oh. the theater. Oh, so no. equity had closed, shut us down. Oh my gosh. We didn't have the bond. We were in DC at Kennedy center. I was distraught beyond, I think there were two of us getting our, our equity card. I'm making money at this point. I think it was $600 a week and per yeah. diem for first class production. Uh, I thought, oh my God, I'm going to be set for at least a year. Yeah. Anyway, that did not happen. Came back to New York, just distraught. I just want to. I just want to point out to people that's West Side Story, <laughs> a proven successful show, and you think you've got this contract, and it still falls apart. Falls apart. It's devastating when it happens, and it happens to all of us. There are no guarantees in life. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And if you expect it to be a guarantee, then you are going to be in for a rude awakening. I think you just, I mean, you have to, you can't, you can't also look at it as don't look at it with the half, the glass half empty. Life happens and, and yeah. stuff happens that we don't even know about. Like, I didn't even know. I was like, what's the bond? What does that mean? You know yeah. what I mean? I thought, oh, they didn't raise enough money. So it was, yeah. So our union said, no, no, no. If, if the actors aren't protected, can't happen. But you got to work with Jerome Robbins. That was my first time. That was my uh -huh. first time. Yeah. And, then, and then I auditioned then on the, the second national, they called it the third national of, of cats. Cause it was the third company of cats. In, it was going out. Vinnie Liff said, Joanne, 
I'm bringing you in cats. And I, so I didn't have to go to a cattle call. I said, oh, I said, thank you so much. I go, but I don't think they want me. I remember saying, I go, I get, I get typed out every time I go. I don't think they want, nope, no, you're going to, I want you, you have to go. This is an appointment. This is an invited call. I was like, I just thought them, I got kept. I got kept. I got kept. I sang, sang for Stanley Lebowski. He made me take up the ending up. He goes, can you take it up? And I was like this, I don't know what that means. The pianist would play, go, okay, take it up. Got a call back. Came in, there was like five of us and uh, t-, uh, t. Michael Reed, who who basically put all the companies together. Mm. He was the original dance captain on the, I believe, the, and then he did he put all the companies. He's no longer with us. He passed away of AIDS mm. in 1986. So he had me do Devlape on the right, mm-hmm. Devlape on the left. And not just Devlape, Devlape, Fuete, oh Now, I'm not Gumby. Mm. I, it takes a lot of work for me to get my leg at yeah. 10-ish. Yeah, yeah the most i'm not an 11 12 by no means so it was like anyway did that didn't phone did another combination with him he blah 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 and uh then i think the next day vinnie called me goes you booked it you are victoria this is the white cat right for people who don't know who's got like this major feature where she stands alone in the middle of the stage and she never pays that yeah in a white a whole white costume and devil pays that leg up to her ear yeah. Oh my gosh. You got that. So I was in seventh. I was like this. I got the white. I mean, that was the role I wanted, but I was like, not yeah. sure. I got the white cat. And so I went on the road for about a year and three months and was in heaven, saved a lot of money. I love that. And then I left the tour. Like the, Two days after I left the tour, the cattle call for Jerome Robbins Broadway came out. Download the next episode for part two of my conversation with Joanne Hunter. Hey, thanks for being here today. If you enjoyed this episode at all, please take a moment to leave a review with high marks. You wouldn't believe how much a positive review helps this podcast to reach more people. Then head over to profagers.com to check out my book, all about the mental game of musical theater. And lastly, no matter how you spend the rest of your day, bring enthusiasm to it. You only get this day once, and life keeps getting better and better when you bring enthusiasm to everything that you get to do. Thanks again for spending part of your day with me. Until next time, this is Prof. Eggers signing out.